Tristan. And I'm Keontae. And, and you're listening, listening to the, the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. Podcast. What yeah. was that that you were doing? No, no. Podcast. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to mix it up a little bit. You know and then I mean? me, I sound like a dang on, uh, I sound like a dang on animated. You're listening to the Crafted Podcast. Well, everybody has like a new, that's like a newscaster voice. Yeah. And be like, today at five, two gang members, you know. Gang, like gang members. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try mine. Today at five. How's that? Okay, look, you got to say, today at five, a car accident on the 10 freeway caused a major blockage. Today at five, a car accident on the 10 freeway caused a major blockage. Today at five, a car accident on the 10 freeway caused a major blockage. Oh, that was good. That blockage Dang, was man, good. I gotta, they say... They say, well, you got a voice for radio, and that's probably that was, me. That was a pretty good voice. I ain't going to lie to you. I feel it. Well, how's your week been so far? My week has been extremely busy so far. I wrote two reports in one day, which is a first for me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a day. Yeah, about a day and a half. And, um, yeah, I've just been busy. This We have a thing in school psychology called March Madness, and what that means is that you just get an influx of assessments, and really it comes from all the meetings that you've had at the beginning of the year to have interventions for kids mm-hmm. prior to assessing them or evaluating them. Then, you know, now is the time like, okay, we've watched their progress and they haven't made much, so now we got to assess all these kids. So we get an influx of initial assessments along with the triennial, which is every three-year assessment. So anyways, I am in the midst of assessment business. I have seven or eight assessments, no, eight, eight assessments to complete before I go on spring break, which is like in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like two assessments a week. And so, yeah. Okay. Sounds busy. It is. Sounds like a busy week. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, my week has been pretty pretty straight. Um, I started doing therapy now in the beginning of the week, in the beginning of the Hallelujah. week, in the beginning of the week of the mornings <laughs> actually. So like my therapy session is at six a.m. Monday morning now. Um, I used to have therapy sessions like at night, like when the kids would go down, or it was like halfway when the kids would go and down. Then you can't sleep, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I could sleep, but it was more so like oh. It, I think it was different because it felt like, oh, man, I got to kind of rush to try to get this and get this handled. Or I got to make sure the kids is, you know, situated so I can come and do this. Whereas, you know, my new therapy time, I just wake up in the morning, go downstairs. Well, I mean, it kind of sort of like because the kids wake up to get ready for school at the time when I'm doing therapy. But it's still a little bit better. You know, it's, it's better to start it off the week like that than to, you know, do it later in the week and then at night. Okay. So my therapy is in on Thursdays at six AM in the morning. So mine's mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle of the week, but at six as well. I do like it at six. Well actually I'd prefer it at night, honestly, but um, you know, the kids have jujitsu and stuff, so I had to move it to the day. Hmm. Yep. Well, that's our week in a nutshell. So let's go ahead and move on to our random fact of the day. And being that this is still Black History Month, actually, this is the last day of Black History Month. Um, so I'm going to stick with the theme and I want to bring back up um, another favorite f- Black historical figure for us just to kind of talk about. Um, do you have your favorite or somebody my, you want to talk about in my, Black History? Let's do yours first. 
Okay. <laughs> um, well, so the person I want to bring up is kind of a person that's like a little lesser known, which she sh- really should be known, especially like when you think of black history, most of like the women that come in black history is like Harriet Tubman, Michelle Obama, Rosa Parks, Bethune Cookman, you know, um, Mae Jemison, you know, people like that. But there's okay. a, there was a woman named Bessie Coleman. Um, that a lot of people really are just unfamiliar with and don't don't really know her story. The pilot, um, yeah, Bessie Coleman was the not only just the first African American uh, pilot, you know, in America. She was the first woman pilot in America, oh, and wow. also she was half Native American, so she was the first Native American pilot too. Um, That's cool. And so back in the 1920s, the beginning of the 1920s, um, you know, she got an interest for flying, and in America. Not only were they divided racially, but they it was women's inequality too. So the pilot schools or the flight the flight schools back then um, they weren't accepting anybody of color or any women. And so what she did instead of just saying, "Oh man, you know, hopefully something changes and in the future I can become a pilot," what she did was saved up some money and and bought a ticket to go to France on a boat to France because the French had a pilot school. That was non-discriminatory. She went to France, got her pilot's license, and became, like I said, the first African-American, the first woman, the first Native American pilot in America. Um, She came back to America and recorded her first public flight in 1922. Um, And, yeah, so she really, I mean, that's really, really a trailblazer and really just a steam sense of, like, ingenuity. Like, okay, they going to deny me? They going to tell me I can't be a pilot? Got you. She then then caught a boat on a ship because at this time, and which is interesting because flight was possible, but it it would be like ten years until actual commercial flight happened. Uh-huh. So you know she couldn't even catch a plane to go to France. She had to get on a ship. Dang, that was, that's crazy. You know, that's like so getting a getting on a boat from America to go to France. That was like a good like maybe week and a half journey. You know what I mean? So she was really about that life. And she was a trailblazer, you know what I mean? So, yeah, she became the first pilot. Um, when she when she first got her license, came back to America. She was mostly known for doing like stunts and like aerial stunts. So pretty much like how we go to air shows now. Um, like she was kind of like the one of the trailblazers for that too. Um, so she was doing a uh, stunt air shows. They were called barn barnstorming or whatnot. And unfortunately, that's also how she tragically passed. Um, it wasn't during a stunt, but she was rehearsing for a stunt and, um, one of her planes messed up and she ended up passing away from it. But dang, how old was she when she passed away? Do you know? She was 36. Oh, did she have any kids? Um, it's not recorded that she had any kids. She, she was in a relationship that had ultimately ended, um, after that. So, but I'm not sure if... She had any kids or not. Because it's interesting because, like I said, a lot of people really don't know about her. There's not that much information on her because it was so long ago, number one. And people were being haters. Yeah, like, even when she passed, um, you know, like I said, even as triumphant as she was and, like, overcoming those barriers, like, media outlets at the time or whatnot, like, nobody really said anything about it except like the black enterprise like media like so you know they were went around that you know she had passed and actually she had a because she was originally from well she wasn't originally from chicago but she moved to chicago and that's where like she became really known but she had like a ceremony in chicago ida b wells um if you don't know that's another black historical figure as well um abolitionist 
she actually like you know presented at some of her ceremonies. So yeah, um, wow, that's somebody to put in your lexicon, Bessie Coleman. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. One of the first. Very the informative. First I love artists. how you always come with the history lesson because I'm just coming with a name. Okay. What's so the name? my, <laughs> well, I was going to say Michelle Obama, but you said, oh, everybody says Michelle Obama or Harriet Tubman. Oh, yeah. So well, I, said, I mean, those are the most known. I said, okay, I won't say Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. So my other favorite, I have two favorite black history people, okay. and I'm going to meet both of them one day. Michelle Obama is okay. number one. And my other it number one, aka Michelle Robinson, That's, yes. that was her name before she got married to Barack. Yeah, I love her. Seriously, I've read all of her books. She's just amazing. She is just, I love how she doesn't define herself as the president's wife. She defines herself as who she is. And um, one of the things in her book is that, you know, that. Barack, he used to always um, come late for dinner because he was wait. He used to come from um, like the city, and he lit and they lived in the suburbs. suburbs and he, you know, he had to travel pretty far or whatever because he was a senator and all that good stuff. So he used to be late for dinner, and they used to all be waiting and stuff. And then she just was like, you know what? Like I don't need to wait on a man to have dinner with my kids. And so I just love that she is just who she is. I love that she doesn't let. Even though he's a great husband and all those good things, she doesn't let that define her. And she's just her own person, you know? I just love that about her. Mm-hmm. And she's just photo people. She's for, you know, for everybody, for rights, equal rights, and for, you know, um, noble causes and all those things. And, you know, we might disagree on some of the things that she stands for. However, her as a person, the goodness in her heart, the love she has in her heart is just amazing and, and something that's noteworthy to me. Yeah, that's pretty good. Also, too, to just throw in there, you know, some more fact about her. Um, this past year at the Grammy, she actually won a Grammy for the audio recording of her book. Um, so she's the first person of, uh, I guess, a presidential household, you know, when it comes to first lady or the first gentleman, if there's ever a, 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 a woman president. Um, <laughs> she's the first person of that group of family to actually win a Grammy. Wow. <laughs> so she got her a Grammy. Wow, that's cool. So my second person, or my other first person, they're really both first, is, do you know? Oprah. (laughs) You know me too well, it's Oprah. You're absolutely right. Oprah is my first, other first person. She is amazing. She is just, you know, she just is so giving and loving and all the good things. And what other person do you know that can get paid a billion dollars to talk with friends on her couch like mm-hmm. you can't get any better than that like bro like and she defeated such crazy odds to get to where she was yeah she had a and crazy childhood she absolutely did she had you know family members who were hating on her who didn't treat her respectfully and all of those things who treated her differently because her skin was darker than other family members and you know she just she just overcame those odds some people have the same circumstances and they crack under the pressure but she let the pressure form her into a diamond and you know people always have these weird conspiracy theories like she was on that island with them people and she used those girls to get kidnapped and some weird stuff because people are haters and they just can't stand to see somebody (laughs) they can't stand to see people um succeed and do well and so you know, anyways, they're funny, yo. Yeah, so anyways, <laughs> I love Oprah, 
and I love Michelle Obama, and I'm gonna meet both of them one day. <laughs> I was just reading. There's a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. I was just reading because one of my one of my coworkers had just went to Disneyland. And they were talking about like them like not liking having to fold their strollers in the in the uh, tram uh-huh. when you come from the parking lot. And I was reading online. I was like, I wonder why they changed that because it didn't used to be like that. And then somebody said, well, the theory is that what Disney is trying to do is they're trying to get you to not bring your stroller so you can rent a stroller in the park. You know, they hike up the prices for the stroller so they could just capitalize on more money. I was like, what? (laughs) You're like, chill, man. But anyway, yeah. Where you're like, it's not that deep. Chill, chill. All right, let's go ahead and get into our let's get deep question for the day. So our let's get deep question is, if you could work for any company in the world, who would you want to work for and why? If I could work for any company in the world, who would I want to work for and why? Mm-hmm. I would want to work for me. Because does that count or no? No, girl. It has to be a real company. Okay. An I actual would established work, company. I would want to work for the U.S. Department of Education. Oh, okay. That's good. Why? And I would want to work for them because it's for the whole country and you help to set the precedent and set the laws. And, um, yeah, I'd like to be, you know, at the top making some real change, some real headway for the schools all across the United States and Mm -hmm. for the special education students all across the United States and even the general education students all across the United States. And so I feel like um, working for them, you know, you climb your way to the top or be at the top and really... um, and really make those changes. You know, it's so funny. It mm. says something about my personality because I can never be regular. Like, I, <laughs> I always have to go for the most grand idea. The, well, I mean, that's good. Everybody should have a grand idea. Yeah. Um, and for I, like, and oh, I like yeah. to achieve my grand ideas, though. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah, like for me, um, I was just thinking, I was just going back and forth in my head because, you know, as most of you know, like I'm a graphic designer. So naturally, like my head was like, ooh, like, you know, working for someplace like Disney or especially like in the Marvel division or something like that doing graphic design. But honestly, to be quite honest, um, honestly, to be quite honest, <laughs> honestly, um, I would work for Apple Music and I would, in inside of Apple Music, like my dream job would be to like, I don't know, start like some type of... Uh, or curate some type of show, like like music interview show. And not one of those like music shows where it's just like, oh, SZA's coming out of an album, so we're going to interview SZA. I mean, that's cool. I would love to do something like that. But I want to curate a show that really spotlights and, and focuses on like lesser known acts or people that are just doing music like at a certain just wavelength that is just so pure but they're not really getting that recognition and up and coming or what yeah kind of like up and coming up and coming underrated lesser known you know like you know the people that we really don't talk about like for example like we all know who michael jackson is we sing his songs we sing thriller but a lot of people to this day still don't know who quincy jones is i just posted about quincy jones for black history month and, you know, Quincy Jones is, was the architect of Thriller, arranging the songs, producing the songs, writing the songs. You know what I mean? But, you know, all people just know is Michael Jackson. So I just want to kind of kind of have a show that just highlights the people that are really like, you know, great musicians. And sometimes I might be a popular artist, but I just find and, and, I, and I'd like to ask them questions that are actual questions, because I watch a lot of interviews and like of, of people interviewing big artists. And they just ask like the same questions over and over. If they interview on Beyonce, so how is it being a mother? 
so how's it being married to Jay-Z? Like, I want to ask Beyonce, like, what was the first song that was, like, played in your family's house that you remember, like, on the radio that you memorized? Or, you know, like, you know, something, like, something deeper than just surface stuff that she gets asked every time. Okay. So. I like that idea. You know, like, I just, when I hear people have ideas like that, I'm like, listen, people's ideas are achievable. Like, when I thought of... of of myself doing working for the u.s department of education i totally thought like i didn't think oh that's so unachievable i thought hmm, that's achievable like you know first get a job at the u.s you know look on the government website see what they have you Mm -hmm. know do this do that anyways i like that you said work for apple music and interview you know these people i feel like that's so achievable you know it Mm -hmm. just starts with applying to apple in general maybe getting your foot in the door or starting uh your music podcast i know we don't have a lot of time but even you know you post your music stuff um on uh instagram but even doing uh music like videos you know short videos or you know like one minute blah 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 or 30 second blah 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 or sending them an email and having them to respond and you read the response or whatever anyways i just thought that that was totally achievable for you and i just love that idea okay good stuff that was a good opening i feel like i know we was uh we was packing (laughs) it in huh that's good though we were packing it in so let's go ahead and get into our forever segment Okay, babe, explain to our new listeners what our forever segment is. So if you're a new listener to this podcast, we kind of break our podcast up into three sections. The first section is always the forever section, which is usually tailored around like marriage and relationship, either discussions or advice. And then we move on to our Roots and Bloom segment, which is a <laughs> segment about parenting. Um, again, discussions, advice, or just hearing from our resident school psychologist, which is my wife. Um, and yeah, so we get information that way. And then our last section is always the lifestyle section, which is kind of my section in a sense. Um, But that's where we talk about anything ranging from pop culture or just things that I want to talk about, like things that I love, music, film, um, anime, whatever it may be, you know, I may be feeling at the week. That's what we talk about. So we're going to start with our forever segment, which is our marriage segment. Yes. So our marriage segment today, we're going to be talking about, we're kind of going to be talking about communication in a way. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because earlier this year we did a set, a little um, series on sex, money, communication. And so I feel like we're kind of doing sex and communication. Maybe I'll do money next week. So this is kind of communication, but it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so um, communication this time, we're going to talk about basically nice ways to say mean things not necessarily mean things but maybe maybe things that can be taken a little funny that you know a little funny or whatever so do you have anything mean that you have wanted to say not necessarily to me or something that you could think of or that you've wanted to say to me um it's kind of hard to think about that. You're, cause <laughs> no, you're... no, no, no. I mean, I can think about it. It's not necessary. I wouldn't say it's not necessary. It's nothing mean that I want to say to you. There's a lot of things that like I think about saying to you. I'm just like, ah, I don't even know how to present that. I don't even know how to go about that. But then also, too, in my mind, I just think like, is that worthy of me saying? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the <laughs> acronym. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? Yeah. Is it kind? Like for instance, okay, another one just popped in my mind that I, that I think is an actual good one. And I actually been meaning to really just talk to you about this is that I'm sometimes like, okay, for some, sometimes 
me and you will be talking or me and you will agree to something. Right. And like, I'll forget. I'll, I, I've forgotten that we agreed to this or I've just forgotten a part of a story or something like that. Um, and then like, so you'll be like, for example, like you'll say, okay, on Fridays, we're going to, I don't know, turn our phones off, you okay. know, for the whole day. Right. Okay. And then Friday comes and I'm still on my phone and you're like, oh, I thought we were going to turn our phones off for the whole day. And then I'm like, oh, okay, my bad. And then you'll say, well, we don't have to do it then if you don't want to do it. Oh. <laughs> that last part of that, oh my gosh, like that, like, I I don't really, I've never said it because I've been, like I said, I've been trying to figure out how to say it, but I just don't like when you say that. <laughs> I don't know how to put that. Like, I don't know how to put that nicely. That's different. I don't like when you say that because it's like, just because I might have forgotten something or like I'm in the middle of doing something where I have a mind blank doesn't necessarily mean like I don't want to be on one accord with you. And every time you every time you do that or say that, I just automatically feel which I know is not true, but I just can't help my human response. But I automatically feel just like you feel that I just don't want to be a part of what, what we agreed to or a plan that you might have made no. or whatnot, which is farther from the furthest from the truth. Like, right. That's if you're an just assumption. Rem- yeah, but if you're just reminding me on something, just remind me. But like you almost auto every time you every time something like that comes up, you almost automatically do come with that response and it and it just bothers me every time. I always come with that response because I feel like I'm trying to be you know, I give people a way out. I like to give you a way out, you know, like Oh, like, you know, you forgot about it. It's fine. Like, you know, if you're not up for it yet, then that's fine. You know, it's more of like, it's really more of trying to be helpful and not trying to be burdensome. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, we came up with this, but listen, if you're not ready to do it, then we don't have to kind of thing. It's not more, it's not more so like, oh, you forgot. So, you know, I don't care. So if he forgot that, you know what, forget it. And we ain't got to even do it. It's not even like that. It's more like hey, oh, I noticed that you didn't remember. Like, if this isn't something that you really want to agree to or you want to do this a little at a later time or you don't want to start right now, then let's, you know, let's start then. And so that's, it's so important to communicate things like that because then when I say that, you know, and you haven't even said anything about it, but then when I say that, you know, you could look at it from that mind frame and say, hey, babe, you know, I know you said this, but that bothers me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so, I mean, it's kind of going to be a hard habit to for to break for me because I really feel like I'm being like, like, oh, let me be considerate. Let me allow him to, you know, um, say, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for it at this <laughs> point. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, the funny thing is because you said you make it as an out and you make it as an out so I don't feel like it's a burden. But every time you say it, I feel like I'm the burden. Like, most of the time, it'd be, like, a plan that you made or, like, if we're going somewhere or something like that. And, like, I might be, I don't know, we might be running, like, five minutes late and I don't have my shoes on yet. And instead of just waiting for me to put my shoes on, you just be like, well, we ain't got to go. And I was like, girl, I want to go with you. I just need to put my shoes on. I'm but it's slow. so funny because I, re- <laughs> I truly don't even say it like that because I try to really watch my tone of voice and stuff. So I'll be like, oh, we don't have to go if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Or like, if that's not something you want to do, then let's not do it, you know? And I tend to be very straightforward, but, you know, I'm not... At this point in life, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to be rude or disrespectful or, 
you know, condescending or any of those things. But unfortunately, with the way society is, directness from a woman is perceived as all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I'm trying to be you know what, we ain't gotta go. It's not even like that. It's like, hey, you know, like, I see you're not ready, then, you know, we don't have to go. And it also, I don't know, I have a thing with time, so anything with time, it's gonna be, you know... It's oh, that's like, not just an example, yeah. but it could just be for anything. But anyway, so, I don't know, that's so interesting. It's it, You could kind of see how communication goes in our marriage, because we do have difficulty with um, communication. I mean, we've made it into marriage this far and so we're good we're good like you know we we love each other and everything but every marriage has areas they can improve on and so communication is one of those ways that we can improve as you can see it's really many layers for us to have a miscommunication you know like he he interprets one thing i mean another thing or i interpret one thing and he means another thing so it's just really interesting but it's so important to continue to have those conversations and marriage in general so you could see where somebody is coming from you know Mm -hmm. but it's also important that you do it in a neutral time like right now when we're recording a podcast because if he were to let's say you know that I say something like that and he were to try and correct it right then even though he doesn't mean any harm and he's trying to you know figure it out then he his tone or his body language or you know, whatever he's saying might come across as rude. And then, you know, let's say I'm in a mood or I'm irritated. And so it comes across as rude to me. And so then I'm like, well, why you got to be defensive for, you know, or what are you being defensive for? And it's just so interesting how that dynamic can be in a relationship. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it was a good time to bring it up. You know, it's free. Nobody's tripping on anything. And so it's, it's important to be, but it's important to be cognizant, you know, of the appropriate time to bring something up. But yeah, so we're going to go over just a couple. I have like 10, but we ain't going to do all 10 today because we'll be on this all day. Mm -hmm. So we'll do a couple. I'm going to look at some, some ones that I think are interesting. And so something that might be a mean thing or, or a hard thing or a sensitive thing to communicate and the wrong way and the right way to communicate it. So one might be, let's see, I have a couple of them, but let's do like your fam. Let's do family or in-law dynamics. Like your family's always interfering in our lives. Um, so that would be the negative way. Like your, your mom is always up in the business, like, Uh or your dad is, you know, and so that is something that can be hard to communicate because, you know, communicating about anybody's family is like, that's a touchy subject, subject. but it's also important. That's another layer though. You have to have your, your parents and your, and your spouse in the right priority, you know what I mean? In the right Mm -hmm. order. And so that's a whole nother other thing. However, um, the wrong way to communicate is obviously like blaming your partner for their behavior. And you really just have to discuss those boundaries and uh, find a way to address the issue. So can you think of a way that you could say like your family's always buttoning in basically? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would just say like, babe, I think we should have a talk, just a little talk, small talk about something that's been on my mind. Um, you know, I love your family. You know, I'm very, I'm very happy that, you know, I'm a part of a family like yours now through our marriage. But sometimes I just feel like there are certain things that are just for our marriage and just for us. 
Um, and I feel like sometimes that your family can interject a lot on topics or situations that should be just solely for us. And so I'm trying to figure out a way how to properly maneuver that and, you know, kind of halt that so that we could, you know, keep our wits about ourselves. Because at the end of the day, it's our marriage. It's not everybody's marriage. <laughs> so you think that last part was needed? Well, it's our marriage is not everybody's marriage. Yeah, to me, that could be taken <clears throat> as a slight on if I mean if you're in if you're not in the proper moods and stuff like that, that could be taken as a slight. So I probably huh. wouldn't have included that last part. Well, I just said I, I think that gives detail. It's our marriage, like obviously she knows it's your marriage. That's how I would have uh, interpreted that. Oh, okay. Like, don't tell me. Imagine I tell you that this is our marriage and not their marriage. You like, girl, I know. <laughs> I mean, so I, I guess. Like <laughs> I just really I said that to say like I, I didn't I didn't put the end cap on it because I was trying to finish finish quick. But I was saying like it's our marriage, it's not everybody's marriage because at the end of the day, we're the ones that have to deal with the consequences, not everybody else. I like that. See, that's why we got to communicate. Yeah. That's good. So how I would do it is I'm very simple. I'm very direct. I'm very to the point. I'd be like, hey babe, let's revisit our boundaries with our in laws. With both of our in-laws. But see, I see. I need more detail for that. Like, yeah, what you mean you by do, that? You do give... And my Drewski face. What no, you, you mean do, by that? You do give more detail, <laughs> but, you know, it starts off like that. Because that uh-huh. way it's a neutral statement. And there's not a lot of time for misinterpretation. Because, unfortunately, when you do that long drawn out, I do like what you said. It was a good message. But there's more room for interpretation, like I did at the last part. Mm. And there's more room to, you know, for confusion and misinterpretation. Whereas, hey, babe, let's revisit the boundaries for both of our families, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that opens up. That's a segue. That's neutral. Like, we talk, I'm not only talking about me. I'm talking about you, too. So I think that's a really good way to bring up an issue like that but i do like all the nice and the fluff and the nice things that you said because well, i'm a storyteller by nature so you know oh okay I like to paint a picture all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know that was good so there's another one how about if somebody like okay a negative one would be like you're so la- lazy you're so messy or your breath stink or you stink. Dang, your breath stink. You yeah. stink. Oh, man. So the wrong way to communicate would be like really criticizing, shaming their habits. You've been out here. You've been over here just stinking. Right. You ain't smelled yourself. And especially without like discussing their concerns <laughs> calmly or offering yeah. support or whatever like that. So that is hard to communicate. Mm-hmm. So how would you nicely communicate that? Well, which one? Tell me which Any which of one? them. Well, okay. If we, Lazy, on, messy, stinky. All let's, of them. Okay, let's get on messy. I would just say that, hey, babe, um, you know, I've been noticing like, you know, there's <laughs> there's been like kind of more of a clutter of stuff around, um, you know, my stuff and, and your stuff. Um, but I just wanted to know like, you know, if anything, first off, if anything might be like, going on with you if if you know maybe there's maybe it's like a lot of stress maybe it's like you know something you know you need my help on um but i was just thinking like you know i would love for our home to be just a space for us to relax and and come home to and feel good about so to not have to like clean all the time i was thinking like maybe we could do like a chore chart with each other um and just kind of clean up periodically so that there's not 
you know, clutter everywhere. I don't know. I don't know how you're to say so, that. You're so funny because <clears throat> I was listening to you do that, and I'm like, he ain't never talked to me like that a day in his life. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you I don't. Never, ever, 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 ever in life, But which is so funny because i like, I wonder how he would really say that, but you're not the type to really um, talk about me being messy or dirty or anything like that. And I feel like people should have enough self-awareness, really, honestly. And, you know, and I feel like also people should communicate in general. Like, I feel like that should be the precursor. Like, mm-hmm. I should, like, when I know I haven't, like, let's say I'm falling into some anxious habits or whatever, mm-hmm. I know I am. And I'll be like, listen, I don't feel like bathing. I don't feel like doing nothing. Or, you know, or if I'm being messy, I'm like, oh, the house is so cluttered. I need to do this or that. But anyways, I do like how you came up with all that nice stuff. It's just funny because I'm like, where is that at when I when you need to communicate something hard to me? <laughs> I'm but, rolling. Yeah, I mean, but, I'm rolling. But I don't. I don't. But I, you would never communicate those things to me. You, he yeah. would never. He'd literally clean it up before he says I'm messy. Yeah, that's just his his um his character. And then me. If I had to communicate something like that, I would have just said, hey, hey, let's make a chore chart. Literally, that's what I would have said. Or, hey, let's, um, and I've done it before. When I used to do most of the cleaning, I said, here's an organization chart. Here's a chart. I said, um, which ones do you think you can write your name by? And that was it. I didn't have to say, I need you to clean with me. I need help around the house. And you pick up your weight. And I have done that before in, um, right after we had Autumn. But in general, whenever I see like a discrepancy or a disparity in um, the household duties, which I hardly ever do at this point in our marriage, or I never do actually at this point in our marriage, I literally will come up with a chart, put all the stuff, sign up for some and tell him to sign up for some. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's it. Yeah. So that's how I would do that. With hygiene, I'd just be like, um... Maybe we should start brushing our teeth in the morning and at night. <laughs> Maybe we need I mean, to brush hey. our teeth three days. Or I'd be like, hey, babe, have you gone to the dentist lately? Because I noticed, um, you know, there's a little smell coming from your breath. Dang, not a smell. I'd, or I, sometimes when he could in the bed after eating a burger, I'd be like, babe, your breath smells like onions. I think at some point you should be able to communicate directly some things. But you don't want to be like, dang, stanky breath. Come over here, green mouth. I don't know. Yeah. You don't want to do that to somebody. So I just think that's interesting. All right. So let's do one more. Should we do a financial disagreement, uh, intimacy disagreement, or a parenting style? Ooh, parenting styles might be good. Yeah. Emotional neglect. No, no, parenting styles is good. Trust issues, career conflicts, health concern. Parenting styles is good. Okay. You're like, I already said parenting styles now. Okay. So an example would be, you're too strict with the kids. You don't never, and you, whatever. And so that's a hard one for me because, number one, I'm a school psychologist. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. So I do have a lot of the research and things when it comes to parenting. And so, therefore, I tend to be a little critical when it comes to parenting i do i am aware of that and so i try to what you get is the padded approach is not what i want to say half of the time or what i want to do half of the time and so 
recently what I've been doing is saying like, oh, look, the research says this or his or I'll just say a one liner. Just like, <laughs> they teach us how to do this with the kids. Just say a one liner to get somebody's attention. Don't do all the extras. So I'll be like, um, oh, you know, his brain's not fully developed yet. Or, you know, don't forget he's six years old. It's developmentally appropriate. I'll just mm-hmm. say that, you know, instead of. Come on now, you gonna really talk to a six year old like that? Like, be for real. That is that those expectations are way too high. Be freaking for real. You know, sometimes you know I might want to say that, but anyway. So the wrong way to communicate is to criticize the partner's parenting approach, and really you need to discuss respectfully. You need to suggest a cooperative approach, and so that's something that I know I need to work on in general. So if you thought. You hardly ever correct my parenting, even when, sometimes when I do too much, you'll be like, babe, she's seven or whatever. So you, you will say something like that. And I do appreciate that. Babe, she's seven or blah, 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 whatever you might say, or, or let me do it. I'll just do it or whatever. Or that's doing too much. You might say something like that. But what do you think is the right way to correct somebody's parenting? Um, I would say number one probably would be unless it's something that is it like dangerous or not dangerous because I mean if you in a parenting situation it's more than likely not gonna be dangerous. I would just say not in the heat of the moment. Like the, I think the best time to to not correct someone is if like they're going through like emotion with the kid or or in their parenting style or whatnot. It would probably be best to just do it like after whatever is going on has subsided then you kind of bring it up okay that, that's what i think i like that because i mean for me like i like for my example because you you you've you've tried to tell me stuff like in the heat of the moment sometimes you be like girl forget what you talking yeah, about yeah i'm like girl i'm trying to like i like i'll tell my son something like you need to do x y and z and then you'll be like well he only is six i'm like girl tell me that later i need him to pick up the the shoe right now yeah, but yes, oftentimes it's hard for women, especially literally because we held our kids and there's a, we actually have a, a emotional and hormonal like reaction to some, some threat against our children. And even the, if something is not really a threat, it's like we perceive it as a threat, the crying, the anger. And so that's why women are so protective over their kids even against Mm -hmm. their own husbands you know what i mean and that's why we're always correcting always doing that stuff but we have to be cognizant of that and in this day and age these men are more than capable and so when i say we i mean me i have to be cognizant of that however um like i said there's always the dilemma of being a school psych because then i have you know a lot of the right answers Mm -hmm. and so um what I try to do, I said, I set the one-liner, but it's good to know not to correct or not to say it in the heat of the moment. But it's so hard for me, especially when I see, uh, what's what's one of those sports terms, like a a, a grade-A offense or something. You feel me? Like, I see a foul. Like a flag. Yeah, flag I see play. a flag on the play. I'm like, listen, don't yell at my baby, okay? Like, don't tell him. I tell you every day about mm-hmm. the shoes, you know? Because it's certain, it's certain things that you get upset over and over again, and it just cracks me up because I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, like, that's the definition of insanity. He ain't going to change, so no, no, you no. got to figure out your... You got to figure out your approach or whatever, but I totally get it because I think as 
the first thing to do is to remind yourself is especially if your spouse is not malicious is to remind yourself that your spouse is literally you know loves and wants to protect your child the same way you do so to affirm that the second thing like you said if it's not life and death then it's not going to kill them plus it, it adds a little you know it adds a little uh, razzle dazzle to your kids I mean we don't want to traumatize them but you know you don't want them to be you know so soft mm-hmm. either and so it adds a little bit of razzle dazzle to have a little you know a little something every now and then you have to give them something to talk about in therapy no i'm just kidding <laughs> well i mean i'm glad that you brought up like that flag on the play because really it's not about like what you say because what you say is is absolutely right like if i'm yelling at him to put his sweater on and he downstairs playing minecraft while he's supposed to be putting his sweater on he is still six at the end of the day, and his attention span isn't there. So it's right what you're saying, but it's just a point in time in which you're saying it, which I'm like, girl, I'm already frustrated that he ain't put his sweater on. So you telling me this right now, I'm not going to retain it. Like, I'm not going to retain it in within this moment. And it's good that you brought up, like, the flag on the play, because here's the thing in football. This is me mansplaining it for the man, for the men out there to get it. In football, if a flag does happen, you know what? You know what? You know the motion that goes? A play is going on. A ref, the referee sees something going is going wrong. He throws the flag up or whatnot, but he waits for the play to finish, and then he goes to the sideline and says, "That was holding." He's not. So somebody's so, fighting out there. So hold on. So so in a sense, while the game is going on, if a person is holding the ref, while the person is holding the person, the ref doesn't throw the flag and run out onto the field while the person is holding somebody and yelling, "You're holding! You're holding!" You know what I mean? Because in the heat of the moment, it's not very receptive. There there becomes too much commotion. So that's why the refs wait for the play to stop. The teams are separate. The teams are like on their separate ends, and then they stop and pause for a moment and say exactly what happened. So that's why I said like it's kind of just the time of when you want to give your correction or give your thoughts on something because I'm gonna be more receptive to something if I'm not in a frustrated point or heated point with literally telling him something then and there. Then like if we if I told him to get his jacket and you know we finally get in the car twenty minutes later and while we driving you're like you know earlier when you was telling him to get his jacket you know he only six right you know his attention span is like because then I'll be more receptive to him and be like yeah okay yeah you're right next time I'll try to think about that before I'm going off on him about getting his jacket. I like to be corrected right in the heat of the moment. Stop me before we cut. You know why it's hard for me too. This is why we're good communicating because we had a thing called tapping a somebody out and we would like, you know, you before when we worked in, uh, when I worked in juvenile hall and the group homes before somebody start going berserko, then we used to tap them out like, Oh, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. You know, like get out, get out the game, get out. You but know? see, but but and so certain things, I just try to stop it before it turns into something because not that you're cuckoo, you uh-huh. know, and gonna go crazy, but it's more so that I see the situation is about to escalate, and so you know you're telling him something. This is an instance that happened recently. Like you're telling him get off the game and get your jacket or whatever. I told you. Well, you had to correct him like four times, and so to me, honestly, I sh- I just would have been like, okay, iPad is done. We'll continue in the car. You know, to me, that's what should have happened. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's not what happened. So you're telling him, put your shoes on. He's back on the iPad. Put your jacket on. He's back on the iPad. Get in the car. He's back on the iPad kind of thing. And so it was a whole issue. But, dang, I forgot the point I was making. 
You were saying to correct you in the moment. Yeah. So to I like I correct you in the I mean I like to be corrected in the moment because just in case it was something you know, I don't even remember. Listen, I was trying to recover that. <laughs> you were, I was trying to recover that point, but it's that point is essentially uh, what you were referencing to was your past job, but you know being tapped out. But see, even in your past job that that environment was different that's why i said like as long as it's nothing that's life or death because that past job you oh had i malicious. remember what i was gonna say it was the fact that w- i know that it could spiral number one you and him have head butting personalities in general mm-hmm. so you will spiral and then next thing you know you yelling and then if you start yelling then he's gonna start crying if he starts crying then you're gonna get more triggered if you get more triggered then the girls are going to be triggered that I got to be at home with the girls triggered and you going to be mad at him. You know what I mean? It was Mm -hmm. just, I literally saw this fire going to start over something that was not that big of a deal. And so that's why I chose in that moment to say something. Mm. That's truly why in that moment I chose to say something. Cause I literally saw you getting more escalated, more escalated and you were no offense, but you were acting kind of irrationally, not like a crazy person. Like, Oh, I'm about to sock this boy up or something like, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was more so like, you just weren't thinking clearly, like you're not going to go. And I'm like, bro, it's bonding time for you and him, Mm -hmm. for you to take that away from him. When you know, you don't even bond over him, not putting his jacket on is crazy to me. You know, yes, he's being a brat about it, but have a conversation and then call it a day. You don't take your quality time away from it. So I was thinking more so like that. So you're acting irrationally. He's acting irrationally because, bro, it's an iPad. Get over it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. put it down, call it a day. And then you're telling Autumn, Autumn, you could come in and you're going to go. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So I felt like it was it was literally getting out of control. And so I had to step in yeah. at that moment. You know, mm-hmm. for a second, and I tried to diffuse it, and I noticed that now you were still triggered. Don't get me wrong, but when you went downstairs and you were still triggered, but you were, you were. I noticed that you were conscious of your voice and how you were raising it, so you were, you lowered your voice. Now the message didn't change much, <laughs> but the voice, the tone of voice lowered. You know, the leniency lowered, and all that good stuff. The message changed just a little bit. And so, you know, anyway, so that's why I do get that, though. And I'm, that's something I'm going to keep in perspective from now on. Mm-hmm. And so that when I do offer, you know, some advice or some input, then, you know, I, it could be more received. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about um, some annoying or challenging um, behaviors in kids. I almost said students. I'm like, listen, I'm at work right now. <laughs> so let's talk about some annoying and challenging um, behaviors in students, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at me. I just said I almost said students. Then I said students. <laughs> That's wow. crazy. In our children. But, you know, really it's more so about accepting our children for who they are. And I just think it's super duper important. But more so than that, I want to talk about the behaviors that, you know, that can be looked at as challenging, but that um, in adulthood turn into something that's more fruitful and more, you know, more constructive. Yeah, constructive, essentially. So it might be annoying or challenging, but it turns into something that's more constructive. Mm -hmm. And so 
accepting your kid's behavior and embracing your kid's behavior, it promotes happy self-esteem. It encourages them to be themselves. It ex- it really fosters like healthy relationships because it teaches kids really about that unconditional love and compassion and things like that. It supports their emotional well-being and it creates really a supportive, nurturing environment. And we always want to have an environment where our kids feel accepted and loved for who they truly are. Um, Another thing that it does is it encourages their growth and development because they're more likely to explore things that are interesting to them and that they feel talented at and they can identify freely without feeling like I have to live in my parents' shadow. I have to do what my parents want me to do. Also, on a clinical um Basically, in a clinical way, it reduces anxiety and depression, and it just celebrates that each child is unique. They have their own talents, interests, and personality traits, and it really strengthens that parent-child bond. Like, you know, you just learn to love them for who they truly are, and it promotes positive behavior because kids really, it reinforces kids' self-worth and belonging, and they feel valued, accepted, and they're more likely to exhibit empathy kindness cooperation love all those good things Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day it sets a positive example because if you accept them for who they are then they're able to better accept um somebody else for who who they are you know Mm -hmm. i was trying to think of a way to say that but that was funny you know and so some of the traits that can be seen as you know irritating or annoying, especially in childhood, is stubbornness, rebellion, impulsivity, hyperactivity, defiance, sensitivity, daydreaming, being argumentative, inquisitive, like, you know, they ask all those questions, risk-taking, all those things. So what? which one would you like to hear a little bit more on, on how it could turn into like a strength or or something good as an adult Mm, risk-taking as a kid so risk-taking as a kid is like you know they engage in adventurous or daring things and they kind of don't consider the potential consequences at times and so why they don't consider the consequences is because you know their their brains aren't fully developed their frontal lobes aren't um, fully developed they have They have, you know, they're thinking in their caveman brain. That's what scientists and stuff call it. They're thinking in their, you know, their primitive brain, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so in adulthood, it leads to courage and resilience and the willingness to take calculated risks. So not only will they take risks, but now they consider the consequences. They know the consequences. A lot of it can lead to entrepreneurial success because they're willing to to go outside their box. They're willing to, to take those risks. They're willing to um, be in high-stakes industries and make groundbreaking discoveries and have those leadership roles. And so, you know, that's kind of a way that risk-taking um, as a kid, you know, it could be considered, you know, oh my gosh, but as an adult, it could really um, be channeled into something that's really good. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Do you have another one you're interested in hearing about? Um, Irritating. Irritating? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Was irritating one of the ones I said? Or I don't maybe think... I was just, maybe that, must, that might have been just a general one you said. But what, irritating can be a lot of things. Is irritating <laughs> stubborn? Is irritating impulsive, hyperactive, defiant. I guess, I guess defiant. Argumentative. 
Is argumentative uh, irritating? In a sense, but I guess it's more so like the defiance because I'll be like, bruh. <laughs> Yeah, so defiance is really, as a kid, it's really resisting authority, refusing to comply with rules or instructions. And so that can be irritating as heck. Um, We don't really have a defiant kid that resists us Mm. as parents. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Our kids pretty much follow our rules. We haven't had a kid to look us in the eye and say no to us, except maybe Josie occasionally. She's she's also three. three. Yeah. She's also a baby, and so, but she even comes along. You know, nobody is, like, extremely defiant. And so um, what that leads to in adulthood is thinking independently, um, having confidence, being assertive, and it leads to success in really challenging environments, like competitive industries, um, or having to advocate for people. Because, they listen, they can stand up for themselves and they can stand up for anybody else. Um, you know, and they don't just go along to get along. This is not the person that you'll see going down with the company. They're going to be the one turning the whole company in. Let me tell you, you know, like, let me tell you what this person, this person, and this person did. I didn't go along with all these sheep, you know. I was my own person. And so... Even though defiance can be seen as, oh, heck no, like you're just, you know, being disagreeable. But if you channel it appropriately, then as an adult, it could, um, you know, turn into something that's more advantageous Mm -hmm. and more, um, you know, that has a bigger payoff. And so as a last one, I know I went over a lot of them, but as a last one, let's do... Should we do hyperactivity or rebellious? No, rebellious is the same, same. thing as defiance. Yeah. Hyperactivity Stubborn. is good. Hyperactivity. We don't really have a hyperactive kid. How about let's do daydreaming? Okay. The kid that's always in a daze. Mm-hmm. So do you think any of our kids are always in a daze? Autumn. Autumn is a dazer. She does be in her own little world. So a daydreamer is a person that's in a get lost in imagination. They have a vivid imagination. They also they often lead to distractions and and the, um like the distraction will lead them away from things that they're supposed to be doing or their responsibilities. They often like interrupt and tell you things that you don't really care about and like big dreams and things like that. So in adulthood, ah, oh, this is a good one. In adulthood, it leads to creativity. It leads to innovation, visionary thinking, and it could lead to breakthroughs in art, science, technology, business, and all of those things. So a daydreamer is going to be your creative kid, your innovative kid, the one that comes up with the novel ideas, the one that thinks like, hmm, I wonder if we put these metal and plastic together, it could make a plane. Hmm. (laughs) You know, those kind of things. And so that's a good trait to have too. And so, you know, this is really just about accepting your children for who they are like even the negative things I have been really recently just looking at my kids and just loving on them and just you know just like wow you are you you know yeah you are all of you and you know I shouldn't want you to be me because you are you and so I just I just love that I love them you are the you as you you can be yeah isn't there a book that says that yeah (laughs) But yeah, so I just really love that and I love them. And so this is just an encouragement to all the parents out there to accept your children for who they are. Yeah, and yes, hard. you could channel the things. Kids just need boundaries, but they can run back and forth within the boundaries. You know, you don't want them to hurt themselves or hurt others or disrespect themselves or disrespect others. However, they can run back and forth in the boundaries and practice those skills 
as long as they don't, you know, go over the line. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good too, because oftentimes, like I said, us as parents, especially like new parents, you don't know how to you don't know how to address or handle a kid that are that 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 is exhibiting like some of those things, and you might just think that. It's just Something's crazy. wrong with them. Right. Yeah, like, you hyperactive, you never paying attention because you always daydreaming, you just so defiant. You know, I got to put you in a military school or something like that. It's good to look at, you know, the the, the positive qualities of that. It's something. Kind of, it's almost kind of like something my therapist told me. Like, we were talking about, like, my past and, like, traumas that I've been through. And most of the time, people want to look at trauma as, like, just negative and it's just a negative experience or whatnot. But she was like, actually try looking at something that might have been traumatic for you and try to see exactly how it made you into the person that you are today. Like, the good qualities that you have. And yeah. so, Yeah. That's, That's good. How we got to look at it. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and end this thing off with a lifestyle section today. And, you know, I have the honor of talking about somebody that I've kind of been talking about for like the past month now. You know, I thought I was going to be kind of done with her. Oh, well, not, not done with her in general, but just done with like this topic. But, you know, every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back. Work to work to chingy. You I'm know? rolling. <laughs> But today we're going to be talking about, and it's fitting because, like I said, this is the last episode for Black History Month, so I'm going to go into a little bit of black history right here. Um, so pay attention because I'm going I'm to move on. I'm going to be moving through this kind of rapid, but it's going to be some meat in here, right? And so today <laughs> we we're going to be- you're going to give us some meat. <laughs> yeah, today, today we're going to be talking about Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce again. Beyonce has been in this podcast like a couple of times throughout this month and well throughout the ending of, of 2023. But today the topic of discussion is, as we know, last week, you know, I gave the kind of the black history fact of the moment was that she's the first solo black female artist to have a number one country song on the charts, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, her song Texas Holdem that she releases, the first single to the Renaissance album Act Two or Part Two of the Renaissance album, it's coming out later on this month, um, and it's going to be a country album. Okay. And so a lot of people are up in arms with this Texas Holdem song and it being number one. And now the question has been is being passed is that is Texas Holdem even a country song? A lot of people <laughs> are just saying like it's really not a country. I've song. been seeing people say that too. You know what I mean? And so I thought I was just like, you know, I'm like, let me just address and let me just throw some facts out here because short answer, it's definitely a country song. And I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) Number one, why is because we can go through just the melodic or characteristics of what an actual country song is. So if you like Google, what is country music? or Like, what is a country song? You're going to always find the four elements that are within a country song. And the first element is folk influence or folk harmonies. The second one is use of string instruments. Um, The third one is uh, twangy vocals. And then the fourth one is confessional lyrics slash storytelling. So this song, Texas Hold'em, it marks all of those boxes in the folk influence and harmonies. Number one, we literally have um, Rhiannon Giddens playing the banjo that's opening up the 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 um, the song. Okay. So we have her playing the banjo. You have like a kind of like a stomping sound, like a line band stomping sound that's also incorporated in the beat. That's the folk influence. That's the folk influence, and that banjo is building that folk harmony or whatnot. Then we come to, I mean, uh, I mean, with the string instruments, the banjo is being used, so that knocks it, that knocks it down there as well. Um, 
twangy vocals. A lot of people were just saying, like, why it's not country music is because Beyonce, she's just singing regular, and it's just over a country song. A lot of people must not understand that Beyonce is born and raised from Houston, Texas. And I mean, like, born and raised in Houston to the point when they were little kids, her and her sister were little kids, their mama, Miss Tina Knowles, used to take them to the black rodeos and just the other regular rodeos and have them dressing up in, like, cowboy get-up type stuff or whatnot and listening (laughs) to country music or whatnot. And if you actually listen to Beyonce talk, even today, she still has a bit of, like, a southern accent. Like, she doesn't pronounce, like, when people impersonate her, you you know that they're impersonating Beyonce because it's a kind of a interesting, like, voice that she gives. So, twangy vocals, it's there because she still has her southern accent. As well as she's doing melodic, like, runs inside the song where it's like that, ooh, like, that's a, oh, that's how, like a country run. Go? That, ooh, <laughs> one step to the left. Like, that's a, that's twang right there. You know what I mean? Okay. And then we have confessional lyrics or storytelling, which if you listen to the song, she's pretty much giving you like a story of just like low key, like going to like a hoedown or like some type of bar or something like that, doing a line dance, one step to the left, one step to the right. You know, we danced, we ended up at the dive bar dancing all night, so on and so forth. So just by those standards, it's definitely a country song. You know what I mean? I think what even elevates it even more is because just this week, which is fitting or whatnot, we have two of country's biggest stars, essentially. We got one who's a star right now, and Lainey Wilson pretty much giving Beyonce her props. Like, yes, like, the more the merrier. Like, I love this song. I love that Beyonce's on the country charts. You know, let's get it. Let's, you know, let's, let's push country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Lainey Wilson is like a mock. She's, she's kind of a star right now. Okay. But then we have Dolly Parton, who, if you don't really listen to country, Dolly Parton is essentially like, she's like the she's the she's pretty much like the modern mother of country music like you know you listen to like dolly parton's jolene matter of fact another fun fact or whatnot um a lot of us we love whitney houston whitney houston's biggest song is probably and i will always love you Mm -hmm. that original song is written actually by dolly parton so the song that whitney houston's singing is actually a cover of dolly parton's original song um, so Dolly Parton been here, like she got, she has the credibility, you know what I mean? And Dolly Parton made a whole post about Beyonce congratulating her on reaching number one in the country charts and how she can't wait to hear this country album from her and she's wishing her all the best. So I'm like, bruh, number one, like I said, we have her, you know, making the characteristics of a country song, but then we got country's two biggest stars champion her saying like, pretty much, yeah, girl, do your stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, Dolly Parton giving you the stamp in country is like Dr. Dre saying, like, bro, you 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 hip hop. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's essentially that. You know what I mean? And I think the funniest thing about it is that a lot of people I'm seeing saying, like, oh, it's not country. They a either don't really have a good defense of why it's not country. Like a lot of people are just saying, like, well, Beyonce is just a pop artist. She's just a pop artist. Just she's just doing pop music over a over a track that just sounds country. <laughs> but they're not, you know, they're like somebody's gonna be. I know you were up in those people's Facebook comments arguing with them, and they're probably gonna be like, I make Keontae so mad. He made a podcast about me. <laughs> well, it's just, I well, really, what oh really God. brought this. Now to I the, gotta go look on Facebook to see who messed up messed up my husband. <laughs> 
husband. Well, I, uh, there was a Facebook post that really brought us to life, but I've been I'm like people ruined. have been posting it all call week. Out. Call them out. No, no, I'm, I'm not gonna like, call them I'm out. Just but it's more so. <laughs> it's so more petty. so. Yeah, it's more so just like education. This is to my haters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just more so like education because, like I said, that's one spectrum of the people. Like they just don't even have no defense for it. Or the other spectrum of the people is I'm just seeing people saying like, Girl, "It's not even a real country song." But it's like people like people are saying that, and it's just like, bruh, do you even really listen to country like that? Now, now I've had to turn down <laughs> fifty million four times. That's Cat Williams. But no, like now me, like you already know me when it comes to music. I'm just a purveyor of music, a lot of genres, and especially country. Like you know, I be honey. yeah, I be on my like I be on my country stuff. But I I just want to say like some of the people that are saying like it's not even country. I bet you, I guarantee you, they can't name ten country artists i'm talking about right now that recent country artists meaning like they had to put out an album at least three years ago they can't even name 10 country artists you know off the bat pretty much i can't name any and i'm gonna give y'all the floor if y'all listening y'all one of them people that saying beyonce song is a country song go ahead and name me 10 country artists right now people but People can't name Tim artists of any. You always ask no. questions like that. If you That's if crazy. you if you gonna step up and say that something is not a certain genre just Ooh, because you ready to fight you. Yeah, just because you feel like that, like have some crazy behind you. Because like I said, my favorite my favorite two my top two favorite giants are rap and R and B. Oh, what not? So I can tell you about that all day. But also, I really love country and I listen to country music too. And I can give you ten off the bat. I can give you Morgan uh-huh. Wallen. I can uh-huh. give you Casey Musgrave, Mickey Guyton, Laney Wilson, uh, Haley Withers. I can give you Kane Brown, Luke Nobody. Combs. Is Luke Bryan. You. Uh, did I say Morgan Wallen already? Did I don't you know if say, I said Morgan Wallen. I love you. Miranda Lambert. You know what I mean? Like say Katie Pruitt. I can give name. you people that people don't normally even talk about. You know and what that mean? song was really fitting because you were saying all those names. Yeah. And, Beyonce and so that's what I mean. But like, if you're gonna talk, if you're gonna talk about a whole genre, what something isn't, what something isn't, at least have basic knowledge of what you're talking about. Ooh, he said you don't know who you, what you're talking about, Facebook person. <laughs> now this is this is for everybody because uh-uh, there's for you. Nah, because there's like like there was there's some people there's some actual like other country people that are just kind of trying to say the same thing. It's like, bro, you ain't even ever did nothing in country. Yeah, I mean, you can try to talk about some old Beyonce song in country. As a matter of fact, even if we look at the country charts right now, there's people on the country charts that technically aren't country, but I don't hear nobody saying nothing about them. You want to know who has a song chart in the country country charts right now? Who? Flowrider. <laughs> like, Flowrider has a song with another country artist, and it's on the country charts. And if you listen to the song, it's just like, okay, there's like a country sample in here, but Flowrider is doing his... Yeah, we got the that type of rapping. So yeah, I mean, it's just funny to me. But to, to make this wrap this up, also not only do I want to just call that out, but I also want to give a little bit of history of what country music is because a lot of people seem to have a skewed objection to it because I think when they say, "Oh, that's not real country music," I think they're thinking in a way of what the Nashville sound is of country music. Okay, but. Even though that's a big sound for us right now, like when people think of the capital of country music, people think of Nashville, but that's not the entirety of what country music is. So I'm going to give you just a quick history lesson on the early begins of country up until now. And so now I mentioned uh, Rhiannon uh, Giddens, who's playing the banjo on Beyonce's new song. Why I think it's fitting for Beyonce to have that in that, incorporating her first actual country track single, oh, well, not to reach um, the Hot 100 for country, is that the banjo is the signature in- instrument of country music. Like whenever you think of like a, you know, you think of certain instruments, and that's just it's just fit in certain genres. When you see a banjo, you automatically think country or folk music. 
When you see an electric guitar, what do you automatically think of? Uh, rock. Okay. When you see a turntable with a DJ, what do you automatically think of? I'm in love with hip hop. Yeah. Hip-hop. So, you know, all these instruments, they have key signatures to the genre they're attached to, and the banjo is one of them. But here's the thing about the banjo. The banjo is actually an instrument that was brought to America from West Africa by the transatlantic slave trade. And so, you know, many of early, you know, um, like Jimmy Rogers, who's who is turn, is coined like the father of country, his early songs like incorporated banjo and stuff like that, and, like a fiddle. Um, so that's an instrument that came from actual slaves bringing into the country and, you know, making songs when they're on the plantations or in the cotton fields, actually making hymnals and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Them songs. And many early country songs were adapted from the melodies of hymnals performed by, you know, black ministers in the South and, 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 you know, pretty much slaves or whatnot. And a lot of these people were never, the original creators were never given credit for them. Even when you look back at who I just named, like Jimmy Rogers, he had a song called Blue Yodel Nine, which is essentially like the cornerstone of like one of the first big songs in country. Louis Armstrong, who we just, we just came from a trip from New Orleans, so that's, this is fitting. Louis Armstrong is actually in the background of that recording um, playing his trumpet, but he's uncredited on it. So even then, even in the mix of country music, then we're there. You know what I mean? And then when you think about the pioneers of just the genre of country music, you have people like Leslie Riddle. Leslie Riddle literally created the, the what it is to like when you have a guitar, a, a acoustic guitar, and you're just strumming the instrument with just your fingers. He created like that technique or whatnot, which was, you know, then like kind of ad- adopted by the Carter family, um, which was a big country family back in the day. But he's the one that created that. Or you have people like Rufus T-Top Payne, who was mentoring Hank Williams, who Hank Williams was another big Rufus? country star. Yeah, Rufus. You know, you know, you know what he looked like, man, Rufus. You know what I mean? I Even when we think about the Grand Ole Osprey, the Grand Ole Osprey is like this, uh, you know, it's this pretty much like theater in Nashville, which is essentially like, it's the Apollo, like if the Apollo Theater in New York is something to like hip hop and performances, the Grand Ole Osprey in Nashville, this is like the cornerstone of country music. You know who the first person to perform there was? Mm. Deford Bailey. Oh, who I was, was going to say. <laughs> what? I was going to say George Washington. <laughs> no. Deborah Bailey, who was a, a, a harmonica player, um, was one of the first people to perform there when they opened up in 1927. A black guy. Yeah, a black a man. You know what I mean? So, and there's just so many other connections to just the country of old to the the modern country. We have Ray Charles, who everybody knows. He literally had an album that was called Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music, where he blended what the Nashville sound is with like soul and R&B or whatnot. And so, you know, like I said, black artists have have been here and have really been the cornerstone of this of this genre. So that's the essence of it. Even when you go into the outlaw era um, or the outlaw sound, and what that means is the outlaw sound of country is that, you know, you have that Nashville sound. There were artists that were kind of breaking off from that confined Nashville sound and kind of was getting a little bit more up-tempo or a little bit more like grunge and gritty type of country. Like think of like a Willie Nelson or whatnot, which is he's probably probably the most notable face of outlaw country. I love how you're saying all these names like I'm going to know any of them. Well, well, the people that's talking about country, they should know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, but you have people like that. But then you think about like the Pointer Sisters. I'm pretty sure you've heard of the Pointer Sisters at one point in time. 
the Pointer Sisters were were they've had like a couple of gospel songs or whatnot, but they were they they had early dealings in country. Linda Martell, who I named um, name dropped last week in our episode, who she was the first black country woman to chart on the country charts. And then we have people like Charlie Pride. If you know anything about country and just the genre of country music, you know that Charlie Pride is a name that probably comes up a lot in country. This man has fifty top ten entries in the country billboard charts since 1970. Like, that's a lot. You know what I mean? That's a black man, though. Matter of fact, it's a story of him doing an interview, and he was saying when he was getting popular, oh, and I started going around performing, like, people would be like, okay, we're going to bring to the stage Charlie Pride, and this is still when, like, stuff was segregated, so all of, you know, all the white people was just jumping up, waiting for him to get out there, and he come on that stage, and he said, and it just get quiet. And then he was like, and I just had to tell them, yeah, I'm sorry, I had to uh, keep on this this dark tan that I had. And then start playing this music, and then they jumping up and down again. Funny stuff. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, anyway, in wrapping it up, I just wanted to say all that to say that Beyonce, what she's <laughs> doing, especially with... Um, you know, Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages, which I didn't even mention, which is was the other single that she came out with. Those are definitely country songs. And for you to not for you to say that Beyonce or the song is not a country song, you're doing the same thing when people said that Jordan Peele is not making true horror movies or that Steph Curry is not a true point guard. You know what I mean? Or even in a sense, you would get spiritual. There's a lot of people that sit up here and say they look at Mike Todd and see what he's doing with his church and like the performative aspect of it and say like, oh, that's not real church. What all these people have in common? A lot of I just, people say that. Yeah, what all these people have in common? What I just said is that they're, they're all actually, haters. No, no, all the all the four names I just named. Oh. What they all have in common is that they're actually doing exactly what they said they're doing, and they're doing it to the best of the ability that you've ever seen it. You know what I mean? Like Jordan Peele is. He's creating a whole new lane for the genre of horror. Steph Curry is absolutely the greatest shooter that we've ever seen in NBA history. And he's actually he actually moves the ball a different way and is actually fitting that role of a point guard. Mike Todd, you want to say that that church is not a real church and not that man is preaching straight from the Bible and, you know... It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing crazy. It ain't nothing that he's pulled out of his bat bag or hat that doesn't line up with the Bible. So, I mean, you can say what you want, but at the end of the day, especially when it comes to Beyonce, what she's doing is country, and it's actually, in fact, after that Black History, you know, trivia I just gave you, she's actually doing and bringing back and embodying the true original essence of what country music is. And I dropped my mic on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> i try to wrap that up fast um but anyway uh we just want to thank you guys for tuning into our podcast for this week um as always please um check us out on apple podcast or spotify podcast and where you can leave us a comment or leave us a review uh you can rate our podcast we hope this is a five-star podcast and um if there's something that you want to hear about or even if there's something like you have a rebuttal about for my country my country people out there you know what i mean go ahead and leave it in the description or leave it in the comment section um your you know what you might request you might have a topic you want us to talk about that might become an episode one day or you know you might just have an opinion on something that was said during this podcast just let us know man we're always looking we're always um seeing you know what people have to say um but again we just thank you guys for tuning in with us um for just catching us every week we know that there's a million other podcasts out there but you're with us and we never want to take that for granted um so thank you for being here 
Um, we just hope that you guys have a great rest of the week. Um, a great rest of this Black History Month that is coming to an end. Um, that you guys just have a good rest of this day, good rest of this month, good rest of this year. And as always, God bless.